Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, the show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, it's, uh, what day is today? Is it Monday? It's, it's probably Tuesday. a hot day. It's, it's been Tuesday. hotter lately. I don't know. It's been warm. It's been beautiful though. It ha- has been amazing. Yeah. It's, it feels like California. Yeah. It's this time of year. And then like October is the, the sweet spots for Texas. Uh, about o- October, man. I remember October last year. It was yeah. not, it was not like this. This is, this is his best weather I've ever had in Texas so far. Period. Ever. And I've only been here since May last year, but this is pretty good. You're I'm, liking it. I'm liking it, man. I haven't, I haven't ran my heater or my air conditioner at all, like in the last five days, four I days. I just turned my, my irrigation back on at the, the sidewalk to make sure that my sprinklers are ready to go again. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. It's starting, man. Here it goes. Yep. Here it goes. I'm trying not to use a lot of water because right now they're, they're monitoring the water usage in order to give you the, the rate for the next season. So I'm trying to use as little water as possible. Yeah. I'm not even drinking water. City's line does something weird with the water during the winter. It's like they average out yeah, your yeah. usage and then they, that's what they charge you. I'm like, winter but averaging. But yeah. I didn't use that much. Like how many times are my kids flushing the toilet? Like what's Yeah, what's I, I told the kids here? not to flush the toilet. Yeah. Unless Yeah. Unless things. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if it's brown, it okay. flushes. Okay. Yeah. All right, you went there. I was yeah. I was trying to avoid it. There's the, well, that, yeah, no, everybody knows that. I mean, do they? Those, do they now? They know those rules. Isn't yeah. that the name of your next sermon? If it's brown, flush it down. <laughs> I don't think so. That is not going to be the name of my next sermon. No, but how cool is this? So this next weekend is communion. Okay, okay. And the passage that God just so has it that we are studying this next weekend is the passage where Jesus says, "You must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood if you want to live." Wow, what providence! I mean, there it is, right there. And like, you plan that object? I did 100%. not. One hundred percent. I will one hundred percent admit that that is God's providence. <laughs> so He wanted that passage preached at that time. That's right. That's cool, man. Well, a passage like that and a passage like sometimes in Numbers, in Leviticus and others, they can be difficult for us. And so one of the things that we talk about, in fact, if you've been through our Partners Discipleship Program, uh, one of the ways that things that you'll encounter in that is, is what we call the TAN method of studying scripture. And that means T-A-N being an acronym for then, always, now. Get your TAN on. Right. Get your TAN on with the Bible. Uh, yeah, then, what did it mean then? What did it mean to the original audience from the original author? Then what's the always truth? In other words, what's the, the truth that transcends time, culture, space, uh, that, that's always true? And then finally, you're saying, what? then how do we take that and bring it to what's true now for me today? Because the truth for me today may have a different shade from what it was for those originally that mm. it was, was intended for. And what governs that and what informs that is the always truth that's communicated in the text. All right. So how do I practically put that to work? Pastor well, let's Peter. talk about numbers eight. So numbers eight, you've got some instructions regarding the Levites. Okay. And so as we get into Just numbers eight, you've there. got the, <laughs> thank you for the, the Bible flipping sounds. I'm there. You've got the, this <laughs> section on consecrating them, setting them aside. And, and here's what's crazy. Verses 10 through 13. We'll get to the then always now when we get a little bit later on this chapter, but in verses 10 through 13, the Levites are offered as a wave offering, which <laughs> did just, Moses actually pick them up? Well, the whole congregation grab them by the legs to, <laughs> with them. And so like everybody grab a Levite, grab All a right, leg and, and start shaking. <laughs> no, it's metaphorical, but, and the reason is because this was what you would do with the firstborn. The firstborn was a wave, wave offering. the kid by the leg. Well, the, the, the lamb, whatever. 
And so the, the, the Levites are the stand-ins for the firstborn. And so that's what's going on here. They're being offered to the Lord in that sense. They're being dedicated. They're being consecrated. Uh, verse 14, I thought, thought was interesting. We talked quite a bit about Simeon and Levi. Or was it Simeon and Levi? It was, yeah. And their sin uh, when they went in and, and took revenge for the, the rape of, of Dinah um, against the Shechemites there. And yet here, God says in verse 14, you shall separate the Levites from among the people of Israel and the Levites shall be mine. And so even after that, God still says of Levi and his descendants, hey, uh, you're going to have a special role in my life and in my, my, what mercy. my kingdom. Yeah. And my, my uh, nation. But here's where I want to talk about then always now. Okay, verses 23 through 26, okay? The Levites, at some point in time, they reached an age where the Lord said, okay, from 25 years and old, older, they can serve. They can have their roles. They can, they can perform the roles. But, verse 25, from the age of 50 years, they shall withdraw from the duty of service and serve no more, okay? So this is Levitical retirement is basically what we see here. That's cool. So if you're over 50, don't serve at your church is what there, you're saying. Well, so then, okay. So on that point, right? <laughs> so then, as we say, what did it mean then? Well, that's that's the, the the face value reading of the passage. And sometimes we're going to need to get into some commentaries for that that are going to help us understand historically, culturally, what's going on, why some of this may have been the case. And so the Levites at, at this point in time, the then truth here in this passage is they could serve from 25 to 50. And after 50 years old, they were put into retirement. What's significant point. about those that time frame, you think? I think it's just the virility of the the the, the body during that that time i mean the, the levites had to do a lot of heavy lifting they had yeah. to take the the tabernacle down they had to set the tabernacle up and i think there's just a natural logical understanding that that that's kind of a window where people are going to be the in their best shape they're going to be able to, to handle it the best right. so 50 years old they're going to be they're going to retire okay so that's to step down that's a then golden handshake yeah the always truth then what do we take as the always truth out of this is it, i think we can draw the 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 always truth one at least that you know what god is okay with there being a season of finishing our earthly labors as far as our, our vocation being what you do for a living. Um, there's, there's an appropriate time that, that God says, okay, yeah, retirement can be understandable, can be logical, can be something that, that can be done here. And I think some people look at retirement as Christians today side-eyed and go, oh, well, you know, oh, the, only the lazy people retire. And, and, I think that's because of books like Don't Waste Your Life and others. Not, I'm not saying that's what John Piper implied, right. but I think it, it kind of got this bad view or bad rap. But here, God is allowing for the Levites to, to retire from their service in that regard, and there was a reason for that. So I think there's an always truth that says, okay, retirement is something that, that God is okay with. So then we have to get to the now principle and say, well, well what does this look like now for us? And, and that's where you have the opportunity to, to begin to take this into um, your life and say, okay, well, then let's talk about what some of the causes were, some of the reasons for why the Levites needed to retire. Well, the Levites maybe weren't able to physically continue with their role in their job, and maybe that's going to be a situation with you someday. And you're going to say, hey, you know what, physically, I just can't do this anymore, or maybe it's even just the mental acuity, which with age can sometimes slow down a little bit. And so maybe you're in a role that you're not as sharp as you once were in that. And you're going, Hey, I'm not that you're saying I'm dumb, but I'm, I'm just going to step out of this role because I think I've reached that, that point where I need to turn this over to, to those that are, are able to, to carry the ball further down the field than I am at this point in time. So to, to really kind of evaluate what's a good reason to retire and then to ask the question, what am I supposed to do here? Did, did the Levitical retirement mean that they were no longer a part of God's people? Did it mean that they were no longer 
obligated to worship him? Did that mean that they were no longer going to be present for uh, the Passover and the observances and everything else? Well, of course not. That's not what God is implying here. He's just allowing them to say, hey, your role, your physical function in the the, the role of serving as a priest is no longer there. And so for us, we're going to say, okay, I may retire from my job, but that doesn't mean I'm done with God's community. That doesn't mean God's done with me. And, and that's where John's, John Piper's book, Don't Waste Your Life, is really helpful because he said it's not, retirement's not about shuffleboard and picking up seashells. You have so much more time now on your hands to go and, and serve the Lord and, and worship him. And so th- that might be an example of the then always now paradigm here with this particular section. Yeah. And in a short few minutes, that was an exemplary and helpful uh, ex- example, I guess. The The challenge with this is that it, it, to do a good then always now takes takes time. It does. Because to do a good then, I mean, you're asking the who, what, when, where, how, why. You're trying to uncover the, the turning over every stone to make sure that you understand the text as accurately as you can. To translate it into an always also takes a, a, a fair bit of sweat equity because it's not always readily apparent. Just like this passage here, like what do the Levites have to do with me? 25 to 50, I'm not going to retire at 50. I'd like to. Maybe that is my always <laughs> or our now. Uh, but yeah, get, getting it from then to always to now, what's it mean for me? It is not always easy. Don't be discouraged when you run into texts that, that challenge your mind on what do I do with this? But every text you read, there is something there for you. I I am convinced of this. It's not always as easy to crack the nut, but it's there. So don't be discouraged. Right. And and on that note, yes, every text does have something for you, but that doesn't mean that you should tan every text that you come across. That's Um, my goal every day, rest of my life. And because of how, what you're, the point that you're making here. That, that it takes time and effort. Yeah. And so if you're reading three chapters of, of numbers, if you're going to try to tan your way through all three chapters it's of numbers. It's going to take you all day. Yeah, you're going to be there for a long, long time. To finish the first chapter. Right. <laughs> but if you can grab one section, one chapter, one paragraph and work on thinking through that. Yeah. Throughout, and even if it takes you the day, even if you, you do it in stages throughout the day. And, and maybe that's a great way to make sure that your Bible reading isn't just a box you check in the morning and then you, you forget about it from that point on. Maybe you do the, the the initial reading in the morning and then you identify that section that you're like, okay, I want to dig in a little bit more to this. And so maybe your lunch break is you're going to look more into the then. And then maybe, you know, in the evening after you, the kids get to bed, you're going to focus on what's the always and what's the now for me and what does that look like? And then the, the morning is the time that you spend the time just in the word in, in general. And so um, you don't have to tan everything, but it is helpful for us. And it challenges us to remember that God's word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's supposed to have an impact on our lives. And this then always now is a great way to, to draw out that impact. Totally. It's a form of meditation. Every bit of scripture has something to say to you. Yep. Yep. So numbers eight, the Levites. Numbers nine then were, at least in the first half, celebrating the Passover, which is pretty cool because this is the first time that they're celebrating it now as uh, as they're looking back on the deliverance. And so God has the instructions for them. In fact, in verses six through 14, we get these special cases in keeping the Passover. Hey, what do we do if somebody's defiled and they can't be there at this time? What's allowable? What's disallowable? What about the foreigner? What about a stranger who wanders into the camp and is staying with us? Can they celebrate the Passover? So God's giving some specific directions and instructions to his people here in the first 14 verses of chapter nine. Yeah. And what's interesting, I think, is some of the allowances God makes. You know, it's, it's funny because God's like, this is the way it's got to be. But if it can't be that way, he allows for, he allows for opportunity. For instance, uh, for some, some of the people, they have to wait till the second month to celebrate it, which is, I don't know, surprising to me, but also uh, it causes me to question, okay, to what degree does it matter to God that we fulfill the letter versus the spirit? If this, does the spirit of the law matter more or is it the letter? And I think obviously both do. 
but where the letter can't be fulfilled, I think God does approve of and desire the spirit of the law to be fulfilled. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I would agree. I think, we, in fact, we were joking with somebody about this with regards to the speed limit. The yes, we day, were. Right? Yeah, letter versus spirit of the law. And and I also think there's something too about this being the Passover, right? This was it's a big deal, the, the, a huge deal. This was the the in fact we've been talking about it through John, right? Before Jesus came on the scene, Moses was the greatest deliverer that that the nation of Israel knew of because of the deliverance from slavery in Egypt, mm-hmm. because of what this represented, and God took it seriously. And and the Passover is going to be neglected by the people. Uh, the Passover is going to be neglected by the people during the United Kingdom and the divided kingdom. And we're going to see kings eventually kind of rediscover and go, okay, wait a minute. No, we need to, to celebrate the Passover because it's been neglected for so long. In fact, um, that's something that, that, that Israel suffers for, but then also uh, kings are commended for when they remember and observe this. And so this was a significant and big deal. And so I think God wanted all of the people to be able to participate in this because of its significance. He didn't want, in fact, how many times did we read, you shall teach your kids, you shall teach your future generations about what I've done here in Egypt, that, that the Lord delivered you from Egypt and you shall remember that the Lord delivered you from Egypt. And so he didn't want that to be forgotten. And if somebody was defiled, he still wanted to your point, letter of the law to give versus spirit of the law, the spirit of the law to give them an opportunity to remember that it didn't have to be on that particular day. Yeah. It's still interesting to me. The, the fact that he makes a concession, it's surprising to me. Um, not surprising in a bad way, like why, but just more like, okay, what a, what a delightful surprise. I'm, I'm pleased by it. I'm still, I'm still trying to figure out, okay, significance then what does that look like in everyday practice? As we were just talking about tanning it, thinking about where does this fit into my thinking and and where might it fill it in the rest of my life? Yeah. You'll just come to church on Monday. I might. Because I'm the spirit of the law. And have your own church service. I do my own thing. Okay. I'm going to have you come preach at it though. (laughs) I'm busy washing my hair. I mean, oh, I was okay. right. And I gotta, I don't know. <laughs> the rest of the chapter, then we get this interesting situation with the cloud. Okay. And so here's another opportunity for us to tan uh, together. That sounds really weird. Um, but, but the cloud. I'm turn it on and turn on the UV rays. <laughs> <laughs> so the cloud is there. And, and if you've read through this, you know, the story that when the cloud stopped, the people stopped. When the cloud moved, the people moved. And the, the cloud obviously represented God's presence. This was the first GPS. This was the God positioning system. Wah, uh, wah, wah. <laughs> and so they knew, okay, here's when to go. Okay. So something that the, then that that's the, then that, that God was guiding his people through the wilderness ultimately. But right now at this point, still guiding his people towards the promised land in a, in a, a visible way, whereas they could clearly follow him and follow his will in their lives. And so the always, what's the always, the always truth is God guides his people. God reveals his will to his people so that we can follow his will and follow his leadership in our lives. Okay. Now, what does this look like now for me? Well, I don't have a cloud and I don't have a fiery pillar. Bummer. So how do I know how God is leading me? Well, that's where we have to go back to the questions. And we even talked about this some, I think in the last episode about hearing God's voice, we've got the scriptures. The scriptures are are the number one way that God is going to lead us. It's the medium that the spirit uses in our lives to convict, to lead, to guide, to instruct, to teach us. And so we're going to turn to God's word for guidance. We're also going to turn to God's people for guidance, that God is going to guide us as we seek wisdom and an abundance of counselors and hear from many people what we should be doing. We're going to seek wisdom in counseling from our pastors and from other counselors. We're going to seek wisdom in, in all of these different ways. But the always truth governs, and it's still true for us today, that God is going to lead us. It just looks different now for us than it did then for the Israelites because, again, we don't have the pillar and the, the cloud of fire 
that, uh, that are guiding and leading along the way. Can I ask you to clarify for us when we're trying to do the always, it seems like that could be the part that hangs us up. Uh, maybe I understand. Okay. Yeah. God's guiding them cloud and then fire. How do I get from understanding what the text says to, to giving myself an accurate always? And I know that takes practice, but yeah. is there any guidelines you can yeah. provide? One question to ask is the, the always truth is what's the, what's the transcendent truth about God in this passage? So not what's the truth about the Israelites in this passage, not what's the truth about Moses in this passage, not what's the truth about Aaron or later on King David or King Solomon or anything else, but what's the truth about God that's being communicated in this text? And if we can boil it down to that, what is this text teaching me about God? That's going to oftentimes lead us to that always proposition. Okay, that's helpful. Chapter 10, then we have the the opening of chapter 10, the first 10 verses about these two trumpets. And the two trumpets are there because God is going to use these two trumpets to signal his people in, and they're going to be blown for different reasons and different ways and different fashions. And the people are going to respond to the trumpets. And uh, I was thinking to myself, man, I need that at home so that we can get our kids in order. We'll, How we'll about blow just the intercom trumpet. system? Wouldn't that be better? Uh, well, we've got the, the, the devices. So sometimes I'll, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. You could do that. I take joy in waking my children up by dropping in on their <laughs> devices and singing them random songs in the morning. Great. So you got the trumpets and they're going to signal the people again, organization here. Um, maybe that's the always here, right? God is a God of organization. God is a God of direction. God is a God of clarity. And he's not just leaving the people to kind of figure out based on the blowing, changing direction of the wind, you know, when should we muster for battle? When should we do this? That there's, there's intentionality here. Verses 11 through 36, then this is the departure from Sinai. And this is huge. They've been at Sinai. Sinai held so much significance for them. That's where God's presence descended on the mountain. That's where the law was given. That's where they'd been. They were in the wilderness of Sinai for so long there. And now they're setting out. And they come across this one guy, Hobab. And Pastor Rod, you had some thoughts on Hobab that you wanted to share with us. Did I or did I have questions? Uh, No, you had had thoughts on Hobab. I had questions. Who is Hobab? That's the question. Who is Hobab? I mean, let's just read exactly what it says here. Verse 29, Moses said to Hobab, the son of Ruel, the Midianite, Moses' father-in-law. And then he begins to say, hey, we're coming out. We want you to come along with us because you're a nomad and you know how to navigate the wilderness. Um, there are questions about who this guy is. Um, is this his brother-in-law, uh, Hobab? Is it, is it who, we, who it says here? Or is it actually another name for Jethro slash, uh, slash uh, Ruel, who we see here? And, and I, let, let me just cut to the chase for you. I, I think we can be fairly confident that it is his brother-in-law. I, I, think that's, I think that's who it is here. Although there are questions about whether or not it is him or if it's actually his father-in-law, who has another name, which, I, okay, maybe the guy has three names. That's a possibility. But that's my, that's my cut to the chase answer. It's actually his brother-in-law. I would agree. Yeah, I think so. And what's interesting is Moses wants him to stick around. And there's a very practical reason for why Moses wants this guy around. The Midianites were known as desert wanderers, desert travelers. They would often travel from place to place with their flocks and with their herds, and they would uh, would travel to, to be able to make sure that there was food and water for their flocks. And so they were they were nomads in a sense around this area. And so Moses is looking at this guy, going, "You know, you know the the area here. In fact, that's what he says. It's it's good for you to be here. You you know the 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 region, and you can lead us and you can guide us. Come with us, and we'll do good to you." And sure enough, he says, "Okay, I'll go with you." And, uh, and, and so there's, there's practicality here, which I I find helpful because it's, it's a reminder that this was not a let go and let God situation, uh, with the Israelites. It's not as though they were just like, okay, well, let's just watch and wherever the cloud stops that then here's camp. It it appears that there was some, there was some human participation in this as well with the, the guidance and the leadership that was provided there by Hobab. That's right. 
Also, in San Diego, there's a burger place called Hodad's, which is what this guy reminds me of. Uh, yeah. Good burgers. That's all I got to say about that. I like Muya out here. Muya? Muya. They got Mu- good burgers. Muya's good, too. Yeah. Reminds me of Five Guys. Uh, Agree to disagree. Okay. That's fine. All right. Well, hey, keep reading your Bibles and uh, tune in tomorrow while we continue in the book of Numbers. We'll see you then. Or the Wilderness Wanderings. What was the Hebrew one? In the Wilderness? In the Wilderness. In the Wilderness. Join us tomorrow for more time in the Wilderness. That's right. Bye. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast.